you would like stuff like sorry what'd you say you want to include personal stuff like that well i don't mind it let's say because for me i don't i don't separate the two so much in this podcast because you've known me since i've approached you a couple of months ago and the conversations i've had thus far have mostly been with people that are already in this little corner but it's not my aim for this podcast at all it's just how it happened because these people are um already in my network let's say but the the conversations that i have on a day-to-day are often more personal and um it doesn't mean that they're less profound do you know what i mean so that's why i don't mind having the personal in there i think it's it's powerful good to know good to know um so yeah, why is it a why is it a blessed day today? Well, there's a lot of things, but <clears throat> I think I'm in a different state of mind for one reason, which is I just went on a sprint, hey. uh, just like ten or fifteen minutes ago. Um, you know, and that's uh, the picture that I sent you right mm-hmm. before this. So it took me down to that spot, and so um, you know, endorphins or whatever you get from going on a long sprint to send. Uh, especially if it's been a while, um, think about the rhythmic patterns of your body after you do that compared to just going about your day, right? Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little bit of that. It led me down to that place. Um, This is in my neighborhood here in the the area. Shall I put it in the, in the video for those who are, who are watching it? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You can, can you can, yeah, you can show it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where I live, there's lakes and things like that. Um, and so that's like a frozen lake and people ice fish and whatnot. And it's sunny for the first time in a while. We've had a couple of few sunny days and, um, well, I was wondering, you know, like, is this a beautiful photo to you? We were talking about beauty last time. And so I thought this was just something that was on my mind of, um, how do we see beauty differently? similar so like yeah what do you think about the photo is it a frozen lake that lake is frozen yeah okay wait i'm gonna share my screen for the people at home because otherwise if i have to put it in the recording it takes like two hours <laughs> to process and everything. Oh, after afterwards like overlaying it yeah i have to overlay sometimes i have to edit just a little thing and it, it makes yeah. everything so much longer so i figured why not just share it okay so i think i'm sharing right uh yeah i see the has started sharing screen but it looks there you go there we go so is this a frozen lake yep Ah, i think it's beautiful but i mean for me nature is almost exclusively beautiful because Mm. nature already has the patterns and the rhythm that that we try to mimic when we make something beautiful i think Mm. so yeah it's beautiful to me but i can imagine it's even more beautiful to you because it's also linked to a particular feeling which in this case is positive. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Exactly. Um, maybe it would surprise you that I also very quickly moved on from seeing the beauty to seeing the ugliness. Okay. What did you see? Well, look again. Do you see anything that is ugly? I don't know. I think maybe the the pavement, this little area with this the square, you know. I think it's 
it might not be as beautiful as the rest. But I'm not Agreed. sure. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, the power. The 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 one that stuck out to me first is just um, and this happened to me when I was in the moment. So the the photo was inspired by the moment that I had actually like looking out at this view. Um, and like you said, in that state, like I said, I just sprinted down this this hill in my neighborhood and knew that I was going to end up here. And mm -hmm. so the power lines, that was the one that really like set me off in the moment. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Yeah. That's one of those things that it just kind of, you, you pointed out the natural beauty, which is obviously like what strikes me first uh, in the moment. And then I quick, I just see the power lines right away. And I'm like, man, it somehow kind of ruins it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I didn't really notice in the moment, like the cracked pavement and just like the curb and all of that. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's interesting that you can actually see the beauty and the ugliness, you know, in the moment and in the photo and, you know, you weren't there to see it, but you notice those things too. Yeah. But I mean, are you a perfectionist generally? Do you think? Oh, no, um, gosh, I don't know. You should probably ask other people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe competitive. Yeah, that type of competitive with yourself, competitive with other people. Yeah. Um, okay. But, well, it's funny that I, one of my scribblings that I wrote down here, I think this is actually an interesting way to get there. So I have two things. One is observer dependent, and then an arrow leading to the name Robinson Jeffers. Have you ever heard of Robinson Jeffers? No. So um, he was a poet, and uh, he had an interesting perspective on the natural world and then sort of uh, the aesthetics and how we see the beauty and what happens when we take a picture or write a poem about something, you know, he was sort of, well, I think at least um, battling with that. You remove yourself from the natural beauty as soon as you make it sort of unnatural in your human way or um, in the way of an artist or things like that. Yeah. And um, So a lot of what he says um, and what I've read it always seems to ruin that natural beauty for me. And so, <laughs> um, do you mean his comments or the observer? Do the comments ruin it or does the, well, the, no, just, uh, I feel like I related to that perspective that he was sort of expressing and it has that type of perspective of sort of the, I'm ruining it as an artist or as an observer with my bias and my intentions or, um, whatever. And you sort of lose the being in the moment of the thing. And actually, well, as we were talking about last time, like feeling the real connection with what you're there with and not through the screen of your little shiny rectangle or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the beauty that I see is dependent on the observer, but it could be me in this case. It's just me as the observer. I'm changing my perspective mm -hmm. on, on what I'm seeing. It doesn't even have to be two distinct observers yeah. um so yeah i'm wondering do you um 
when have you felt beauty before? I feel it very often. And I think that I feel it more so when I see more clearly. And that leads me to believe that there is some objectivity to beauty, or maybe that's not the right word, but that you can get closer to it by seeing reality more for what it actually is. Um, mm. But I experience beauty all the time, overwhelmingly so. I yeah. cry a lot at, at beautiful things, especially stories. Stories? Yeah, beautiful stories. That is really cool. Um... Do you feel like, uh, so do you empathize with the characters? Is that and the situations and it's moving to you or something? Well, that's one thing, but <clears throat> I, I'm the most touched by stories that make the most sense on a deeper intuitive symbolic level, let's say. So mm -hmm. the empathizing with certain characters, that's beautiful, but that's, that's like, it's, it's nice, but it's almost only a bonus. Like for me, the, the moment I cry in movies is usually at the end because then everything comes together and, and like the patterns are aligning and then you have harmony. If, if it's a good story, at least. Um, and if it's a really good story, then I'll just sob uncontrollably for like 40 minutes, which has happened rarely, but it does happen. You can ask my fiance. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Okay. So movies as well um <clears throat> yeah absolutely I, was just, I just happen to be thinking of like reading a book but uh huh yeah hmm. i cry i cry more frequently at music i think oh, yeah. um and most of the time i think it's um there's no singing or anything there's no voice it's just mm -hmm. instrumental music. yes i have the same mm-hmm um, I don't know if my, my crying lasts like 40 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for me, sometimes the movie is taking so long. So then it's well, I'm still watching the movie a little bit after, but if it's a shorter song, I guess it's hard to keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is an interesting thing. It's like, how does a certain, I'm trying to, well, is it okay if we, especially since I watched it so recently, like try to continue some of the yeah, concepts of we were talking about last time. Of course. Like, so you already use like harmony and stuff. So I am thinking about a lot of those sort of musical metaphors in general mm -hmm. um, and that sort of terminology just as a way to connect. It, it seems to make it easier for me. Um, and so what was I going to say? Oh, why does why does a certain pattern of a story a rhythm right because we're what is it about the rhythm of the story that that moves you or makes an impression on you um you said it comes at the end right so in terms of like uh the i don't know i don't know what do you think i got to stop myself before okay, i just okay. keep going yeah no, that's good um, so this, when a story is developing, I think the characters go through a transformation. If it's a good story, especially like the hero, he will go through a transformation. And so why it's usually at the end for me is because that's when things start to align. Like you mm -hmm. have the maturation of the characters. Like I'll, I'll pull it to a movie that I watched yesterday. 
almost mm-hmm. all of the characters in the movie undergo this transformation. <clears throat> and then at the end, it becomes clear what they're, what they're supposed to be doing. So that means that they're in harmony with their um, purpose or whatever name you want to put on it. So that's, mm. yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. When you have this sort of larger reference frame of the entire movie and the character arc, mm. you that's when it all like lines up or something, right? It's like you're stepping back far enough to see the pattern and maybe C is not the right thing. Um, you're able to just feel the pattern of yeah. that whole story and um maybe the rhythm of it you know again trying to sort of jam rhythm and stuff in here mm-hmm. but do you ever um are there stories that like make you cry at multiple moments like there's a a build up moment that makes you cry or the sort of the low point in the story arc and then at the end the resolution too does that happen um yes I would say that I think some Miyazaki mo- movies are very powerful with this because do you know them? I don't think so. What's the title of a movie? Well, there's multiple movies. The most famous one I think is Spirited Away. So Okay. Do you know this? I'm aware of this. I think I've watched quite a bit of it. I've never sat down and I'm certainly not like um someone who like knows a lot about the different layers of the movie. Oh uh, yeah. But well, I do I highly- know I can imagine some of the artwork style and yeah. Yeah. I think that, well, Jonathan Peugeot is a big fan of Miyazaki movies. I think it's one of his favorite type of films. It's a, Mm -hmm. he's a Japanese filmmaker and they're basically like animated movies and they're deeply symbolic and they have, they're, they're known to have really good feminine characters. Um, like they really get that right. And I think one of the reasons why I cry at multiple moments in some of those movies is I think it's because this creator, Miyazaki, he he really tunes into um, the story. Mm-hmm. Like he tunes into that. What, whatever he taps into, it's so primal in me that I will never be able to explain it to you propositionally. Like with another movie of his, Howl's Moving Castle, I was... I was like halfway through the movies just started crying and it wouldn't stop. It would only intensify. I didn't understand it at all. If I, then I watched it again and I didn't have the exact same experience, but it was just like interesting, inexplicable. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But I don't cry at low points because for me, low points are um, like, I don't cry at sad things. Often I cry really? more at beautiful things. Okay. Although sometimes there's so so much beauty in the low point because that might be when the character realizes that there's no way to go but up. So then maybe I'm contradicting myself. But anyway, I'll stop talking this time. No, <laughs> it's good. Um, what you said uh, was that somehow this person was tuning in with something deeply meaningful with you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So being in tune, mm. um, what does it mean to be in tune with something? I'm thinking about an orchestra. Yeah. Right. And, but also a, a smaller group of musicians, right? You could go down to whatever, maybe a duet or something and being mm. in tune, like multiple instruments being in tune means that there's some foundational starting point 
or a context or something of the key, right? Uh, <laughs> and so what is the, you know, what key of <laughs> Lucas's song was, um, you know, or, or how was he tuning in with your song or with well, whatever key you're in? You see what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying, but I think the, the formulation is that it's my song, but to me, he was tuning into something more deeply. It's like something more universal. Like, it's not just what is, what is for me. I think it's like, um, you uh, know, the patterns we were speaking about last time where you have the, the static and the dynamic Yes. to it. I think that if you tune into a, a harmony of those two, then you're tuning into something beyond just the, the personal individual song but the the universal song i think that's what it what is going on when especially because it's a story some of these stories are so um popular to people like a lot of people swear by these these movies as, as being the best you know sure yeah. right there's that uh corroboration of um the what what key it's in you know like what are you what uh frequency are you all tuned into on that one it's like very uh clear exactly there's something there yeah so you're saying that as the artist he's creating something that is in tune with this large lower larger frequency or whatever it is right and that is a frequency that is also sort of in you ready to be strong mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. right yeah um, so now i'm thinking about two tuning forks. So do you know this about tuning forks? Um, if you like hit one with, with a mallet to like get it going, you know, you can like hit it on the table. That's not really what you're supposed to do, I guess. But uh -huh. um, you start the tuning fork into its active frequency. That's going to impress upon the other tuning fork. And if oh, yeah. there's certain mathematical relationships, some resonance is gonna happen if certain mathematical relationships, you know, or ratios really are not, um, I guess in tune, is, yeah. is that what it needs to be in tune? Um, like I said, my, my musical knowledge, somebody <laughs> correct me in the, you know, this is what the people in the comments, like actually are teachers. Yeah. Um, so anyways, right. There's, um, okay. We had the artist going down to the deep thing, the frequency and mm -hmm. that frequency, in you and it gets it gets rung by the uh you know the other tuning fork yeah. so yeah what do you think it was if you had to describe the the tuning fork what what do you think he was happening just focus on that one specific case of that movie spirited away right the moment that you cried yeah i'm guessing a lot of other people probably cried at that moment too what yeah, was it it's really the it's especially the coming together toward, I think it's like, it's so brilliant in the sense that these things that there's different parts of the movie that develop and you're not sure how they fit together exactly. And then near the end, it's like, Oh, of course. And then everything comes together. And I think a good story okay. always gets that like, or, or good music, you have different parts and you're like, what are, what are all these parts doing over here? And then they, it's a, it's an it's an artist's brilliance to to get those parts to dance together. I, th mm. I think that's what's happening. I don't know how to how to tie it into the tuning fork, but yeah.
Uh, no, see the tuning fork, like that's just something that pops up for me in yeah. terms of like imagery and just like sorting things out in my own mind in the moment. You know, mm -hmm. when I look back on just like talking about the tuning forks, it's like, again, it's just, it's another story that I'm throwing out there with a certain, you know, in a certain box of language, which is like these musical metaphors, these metaphors of music. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I could tell you a little bit more about like why, um, why I'm trying to do that if I get the chance yeah. now. Go ahead. Well, so the story matters, right? I think we, the story matters. <laughs> what story you tell is going to matter, whether it makes you cry, whether it makes you understand, the story matters. And for us, language, right? And um, the concepts like really, really, really matter. And lots of really smart people like neuroscientists and psychologists. Um, one that I can name is like if you've ever heard of george lakoff or yeah, yeah i have what, what, what is he famous for lakoff i'm thinking writing about metaphors okay um and what metaphors mean there there are a number of books that they've written uh together and separately and they're yeah. they're massive they're massive books some most of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. so if you've heard of like 4e cognition um yes. they okay that's of, probably where i heard it yeah okay. they, they I mean, I don't want to overblow it, but their sort of theories were foundational to a lot of the things that people in 4E cognition uh, groups and experiments sort of draw on. Um, and so one of the things that they talked about was that our language and understanding and concepts are deeply tied to like the physics that we experience in our world, right? The fact that things are up and down and then what we associate with up and down or going forward and going back or going over, all of this stuff is deeply tied to like an embodied nature. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. We, we stand up and we grow up. So the word up has a lot of deep meaning, okay? Now, the only leap that I'm making is that the words that I use to tell the story matter. And so um, right now I'm just, I feel like there's a story that could use the language of music that would, that people could really understand because we, because we understand music to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just it, like, I don't feel like quantum physics is doing it for people. No. It's not doing it for me really. Like, um, well, oh, see, that's difficult. It actually, it does do it for me. Well, I shouldn't lie. Uh, like, I do actually like understanding some of the quantum physics stuff, but it also, it's like that ugliness of the photo of the street. You know, it's like, there's something about quantum physics that like has a power line in it that yeah. I just, anyways. And music is uh, just more beautiful to me. I don't yeah, know. I think no one denies that, like that, that music is meaningful, for example. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't sure. describe quantum physics as meaningful, usually because they don't understand it. And and even if they do, sometimes they wouldn't describe it as beautiful. But music, sure. I, don't, I don't think anyone doesn't or hasn't experienced music as beautiful. So 
however, this is where, you know, I'm catching myself in the act, which is like the quantum physics is there for us. And at some level, people should be able to, or they should be brought into understanding what it has to say, yeah. you know, um, it, it provides a different position and a different depth of understanding or meaningfulness. I guess anybody for, it could be for anybody, but it might not be for most who knows. So yeah. How do you, huh, you know, how do you connect the musical language to the language of quantum physics? You know, how do you make that leap? Um, and maybe that's where the fundamental properties of like, tuning and frequency and waves and you know that yeah 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 i see i see what like you're going the, the connection is there um so hmm. yeah no that's for sure i mean i'm also thinking of how we aim to pass on not only knowledge but i think wisdom over to new generations and it's not done through a mathematical equations it's usually done through stories and song do you hmm. know what i mean like that's that's what we do. do that's what I we've do. always done yeah i do i know some people might be offended by that um or like sort of you know don't leave a, what the the quantum physics is the best part you know like and that's fine and i i think that's great yeah uh, and Yeah, what is what's going to make a difference? Mm. What really is going to make a difference? What kind of story yeah. is going to make a difference? Um, the difference, what kind of story can make such a difference that you cry for 40 minutes, right? Yeah. I what I, I like, I'm so this is where I'm inclined to say that that it's a Christian story sometimes, but it's also. Maybe that's just an image to use that word, if you know what I mean. Like, I think that's what, what, what someone like Viveki is worried about. It's like we absolutize the, the story, but maybe the, the story, like the Christian story is referring to something even beyond itself. Like if we absolutize that, that word, maybe we um, fetishize it. Maybe we, I don't know, damage it in some way. But I, it's, it's, that's the language I would use for it. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's the, you know, sort of to the test of time. Yeah. In the stories, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like just straight up, uh, like the story has been around for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. uh, just at that, at that simple level. Um, I, my knowledge and um, daily experience with those stories is weak. And so I, um, yeah, that's, that's just, uh, that's just where I'm at with that. But no, um, that makes sense. That's okay. I'm looking, I'm looking down to my scribblings. Um, and we haven't even gotten close to what I originally emailed you. Yeah. Before. Let's, you want to talk about numbers? Oh gosh. I wrote that at the bottom of my scribblings because. That's just like, I don't know. Um, and I have time, I have, uh, I have a little bit of time today. So if you want to, if you want to kind of take our time with this, yeah, um, sure. 
Well, where do I start? <laughs> Part of my email to you, I'm not looking at it, but I'm just trying to go back to that moment of like, why did I email Lucas? Yeah. <laughs> Late at night when I was just thinking about stuff. Um, so what really got me into that was two things. What is it about making a record of something? Mm. What change, what changes when we write a number down? What, what's different from what's different between writing the number down and seeing it and knowing what it, what you counted or what it represents and what's actually out there and what we're sort of experiencing too. The difference between those things, that's something that I'm just like, I don't know where I'm at with it quite yet. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is where I should start because it's easier to, to jump into. So I think it's related maybe to what you said in our last conversation, the non-propositional knowing was it non-propositional knowing or no understanding or something uh, something knowing? like that probably knowing yeah. yeah or truth or whatever whatever i mean we want to kind of bring along there mm. um so there are truths i think that are computational and non-computational and it seems like there are non-computational realizations that um, things that can only compute aren't able to realize. Yes. Right? Yes. So that's a really roundabout way to say like an AI system, a computer, is not able to make the non-computational realization. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a really bold claim, but I just don't understand. If if I'm wrong, I, I just don't understand how it could. Yeah. So here's a here's the example that just is ingrained in me, and I just think it makes it obvious that there is this distinction that we can make. Maybe it's even too simple. So just imagine a white background with a black square somewhere in the frame. Mm. Now, the question that we ask a human being, a human observer, somebody who I'm attributing this sort of non-computational, non-propositional knowing potential to, right? My big, my big claim here is that humans can do this thing, computers cannot. Um, you see the white background, you see the black square, and you're asked the question, um, what's the length of, or are the lengths of the boundaries between the white background and the black square itself, are those the same or not? And so, well, I guess if it's that obvious to me, I guess I should ask you, can you imagine this thing? And then someone asks you the question, are those boundaries the same length or not? The white you know, square that's cut out and the black square that is sort of there. Maybe a picture would be better, but um, 
You're saying the square could be anywhere on the on the white background. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But what do you mean with are the are the boundaries the same? Okay, way? yeah. See, this is this is where maybe my example without a visual is just like or like a whiteboard or something. So the the place where the black square, think about the boundary between the black square and the white background. Yeah. Okay. Okay, what shape is it? The shape of the boundary? Yeah. I don't know if it has a shape. I mean, it's a... I would say it's a square. But how do you mean, like, like a, it's a border? If, is that is yeah. that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah, okay. A border. Yeah, a border. yeah that, that works. Exactly. What's the border? What's the boundary between the black and white? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so what I'm imagining is, like, white stuff on one side of the boundary and black stuff on the other side of the boundary right so we really are thinking about the white side of the boundary and the black side of the boundary yeah and now you say okay yeah those are squares right it's like a you know it's an outline like you said it's a border yeah is the length of the white boundary the same as the length of the black boundary okay now i see what you're saying Well, if the white square is, let's say, encompassing the black square, then the black then the white square is longer, I'd say. Exactly. So here's the point. We could come up with more than one answer here, right? Um, the point is that I think without doing any computations, we realize that the borders are sort of in the same place. Mm-hmm. They're occupying the same, you know, border. Yeah. Um, and a computer, how would they, how would they answer that question? Would they, I mean, are the length of the boundaries the same or not? You know, how, how would they answer that? I think they would just measure the lengths. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not what we do. No. Right. We think about the relationship between the, you know, the outside area, the outside white and the inside black or however you think about it, you know, the white, the background and the black square on top. Um, and I just don't see how those two things are the same. Yeah, no, I agree. So what is it about doing a computation or using numbers that's different from, you know, what you and I are struggling to do in this like really bad uh, <laughs> visual problem that I gave us. No, I got it. Internally feels so intuitive. Um, what's, what's the difference? Why is writing a number down different? Because that's, I think what computers are really doing at this point is they're just keeping track of quantities, you know, bits, electrical impulses, electrons, whatever it is at this point in computation. Um, I'm not going to go into quantum computers or qubits or whatever is going on there. Yeah. Um, but ultimately to like get an answer from a computing machine that answer is going to be dealing with numbers. Yeah, quantities. That's a problem.
So even, I mean, even think about the language stuff. That seems so not numbers-like. And we have like these chat GPT um, systems and artificial intelligence systems like, and they'll give you language and they'll give you a story. Mm -hmm. But it's all numbers underneath. Yeah. Which is different from the way that we come up with a story. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference? What's what's what does a number do what does writing down a number do how is it different uh, i think a number is definitely in a especially if it's written down i think it's definitely in a lower reality in a sense that it's uh quantifiable and if you just have quantity then you don't have quality and i think quality is something that we are able to recognize but uh an ai machine perhaps is not it's similar with with science in the sense that you know, they always say that science is not able to tell you what's good or bad, for example. Like science, even if you can do something, doesn't mean you should do it, for example. These exactly. types of things. I think that it, it's connected to numbers in that sense. I think numbers are very useful, but once they're written down, they're also reduced to something. And if you forget that that's something refers to something higher let's say like you were speaking about in your email about geometry and geometry with and without numbers i think that's what you said now famously the platonists they, oh, they use geometry to ascend yeah oh. to like a realm that is wolfgang smith would call it eternal in the sense that there's no space in our time but i think if you put numbers in that mix you're right back down to where we are now so i think that's what numbers do I agree with you. Um, now, there are smart people that say our reality is all computation, um, and smart is not wise. But I can't, I can't, I can't disprove them right now. Um, but and and uh, I actually really respect those people, and they're very smart, and that's not their only ideas. Um, so. Yeah, when when we use a number, this is the this is how I feel like I wrap around to the the Robinson Jeffers sort okay. of perspective. Yeah, right. It's the same type of removal, as you said, into a lower. I think you said a lower realm, or I can't remember mm -hmm. exactly what you said. I was like very. I was very intrigued. Yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah, you in order to write down a number, you have to sort of make a decision and a distinction that may not actually be there. Um, right? If we, you know, well, again, I think I think it we can look at the same thing and we can quantify it differently. Um depending on what level we're at. So if you and I are sort of counting things on different levels in what we're looking at, right? Um, we can look at the same thing and count it differently. Yeah, absolutely. For example, um, 
if we look at a, a person standing in front of us, uh, you could count that as one person mm -hmm. on a level. You could count their cells and say that there are, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? I see exactly what you're saying. This is unity and multiplicity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is there. And that the fact that that is there, it's sort of, um, it shows that if you pull one number out, it's only one among many that are there for you to pull out, right? <laughs> I, I pull it, I look at one person and I, I pull out the number one and I say, this is what that that is. That's one person. Um, and so then you have immediately removed from the sort of the no counting <laughs> of the, of the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some, Oh, is there like a fall? Uh, <laughs> when you use a number, a fall from beauty that, uh, the fall fall from unity from unity. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Um, unity is what, uh, is the structure of all the potential counts that you could do yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, you almost sort of led us to the fact that what about numbers and geometry? Because mm. a pentagon, you can very easily represent five, which is something that we generally count with, um, in something that's not a number exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because, but the number part of it is there for you. Does that make sense? It does so make like, sense, yeah. A, a pentagon at one level is five sides or could represent five aspects, five key principles, five energy systems or whatever it might be. Um, but a pentagon also has angles and corners and um, faces or edges and vertices and things like that, that are, well, they also have extra numbers in there, right? There's the angles and the ratio of, uh, the angles compared to 180 or 360. There's all of these sort of like embedded, um, things that are, again, you could pull at them from the number thing. I look at the uh, gosh, just think about looking at a, ge uh, a pentagon. I, maybe I'm such a nerd about this that I look at a pentagon differently than most people. But to me, there's something interesting about the, uh, gosh, just the shape and the angles and how there's symmetry and not and how you can sort of break it down or tile it or something. Yeah. Um, and that can either impress upon me just as a general you know, sense of like the symmetry or asymmetry, et cetera, or there's, you know, I can measure the angles and check the actual ratios and see if they, um, again, if they have these sort of uh, harmonious relationships, mm -hmm. right? So there's like certain fractions that are maybe somehow more beautiful than others right like yeah. a like a one fourth is just it's some it's special it's a it's a quarter you know uh 
that's way better than a 202 out of 306, you know, like, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying here? I see exactly what you're saying. I, I'm so what like, I'm thinking about while you're speaking. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead before I go. No, further. no, 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 no. I need you. I need you, Lucas. Okay. Well, okay. I'll I'll pull up a couple of thoughts that I had. One term that comes to mind for me is irreducible uh, wholeness, which I've heard Wolfgang Smith use a lot. It's this idea that you you for example you could be an irreducible wholeness in a sense but if you start to really think like in a materialist reductionist way i could reduce you to your livers to your liver to your to your heart to your bones all these things like what you see when you see a pentagon is you see something that's like it can be one thing and it has all these beautiful properties but it's never just the properties it's it's something yeah irreducible about it there's a wholeness to it that you're able to recognize, but I think computers, perhaps they can't. And I think people nowadays find that harder and harder to do as well, which is why some people struggle so hard with symbolic language, religious language. That is a good point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Why is there such an apparent meaning crisis or whatever? <laughs> it's real for sure. Um, so you can tell that I'm sort of on team geometry, right? Yeah. And I believe that there's some extra special beauty in the geometry. What I want to do to myself, and, and um, I'm sort of like anti-number, right? <laughs> like <laughs> just computation? Duh. Yeah. This isn't as you know artistic as me, you know, like that sort of like. <laughs> What are numbers lacking? You know, they don't have as much as, um, but then what I want to do is, uh, just like shove myself over the line and say, but wait, can numbers have that same type of extra special beauty that geometry has? Can the numbers by themselves sort of uh, have something extra above and beyond the number. Yes. Right? So, well, you respond to that. Yes, they can. Okay. It's obvious to you. Well, I think so. Okay. Tell me. Depends on the I, number too. I'm, I'm serious. I think so too. That's kind yeah. of where, that's kind of where I led myself, I think. Okay. So I'm with cool. you. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, gotcha or anything. Um, I find it interesting that we would uh, corroborate our. Yeah. No. So okay, but, uh, what's X, what's extra special about numbers potentially? Some numbers I think are extra special because they refer beyond themselves in such a beautiful manner, like the number seven or um, 72. 72. 72, I think is one of those numbers that shows up in many different places which is why like I got really into this stuff four years ago or something. And I was watching all these little YouTube videos, like sacred geometry, all these things. Um, yeah, I know. And I know, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, I dude, I'm with you. Yeah. So, but I, I, I really didn't know what to make of it, but I was just so completely fascinated by certain ratios and numbers. It's like, wow, there's just such a, there's something so much deeper there and I'm still not able to explain it or nor can I understand it. I think that 
sacred geometry, for example, it's a whole practice that I'm, I'm not sure people are still able to, to practice. But so, number seven, to take an example, is for me, it, it refers to something, um, well, it's, it's biblical in one sense that seven is wholeness compared to six as perfection. Um, do you know? Do you know about like six 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 as uh, as satanic? I mean, geez, man, that's kind of loaded. Um, wait, you got to repeat that for me because I'm adding this to my my spreadsheet. Um, oh yeah, I'll give you credit. Credit. Uh, you said six was perfection. It's not. This is not my stuff. Huh? This is like this is just biblical. I don't. I want. It's whatever. <laughs> it's your stuff from the Bible. Um, and seven is wholeness. You said right. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Okay, tell me more. Well, it's this idea that six, it it's like um it's perfect. You can divide it by by three and two, and there's no additional added thing. Ah, so yes. six is like you think about the German Empire, like um Second World War. They want to have everything to be perfect. You know, they want to have a perfect species, perfect people. Um, everything has to be clean. You know, they, they, they spoke a lot about disgust and all these things. And I think that's referring to that little extra that the seven does include. It's the, it's the, the margins, the margins. So seven to me is beautiful because it encompasses those margins. And instead of perfection, it goes for uh, completion or yeah, yeah like that wholeness i'm not sure how to describe it exactly but it's it's reality like for example the egyptians in their calendar we took it from the egyptians our calendar but they had 360 days you see how that's perfect yeah it wouldn't mm -hmm. be perfect if our our year consisted of 360 days we wouldn't have those shitty little what are they called in english i don't know those little extra days leap years leap days we just had one of those yeah. actually exactly and yeah exactly and then those extra 5.25 middle ground days, you got to do something super special for that. You know, yeah. like, that seems like an awesome time for a festival or whatever. Yeah. Or like, maybe not something so, oh gosh, so um, uh, demonstrative. Um, just like a time of reflection or something, right? Like uh -huh. an accounting of your uh whatever or maybe time to tune your harmony up and you know that i think that would be so cool if our year wasn't so oh the 365.25 is just so so unsatisfactory honestly yeah. it's now that i think about it now you really got me started man like it's really ugly isn't it it's not it's not very beautiful in that sense no 365.2 but in another way, it is. That's what I propose to you. Oh, oh, the the decimal version, because I, I like I like your three sixty day year. Um, yeah. So that's where I was going. The Egyptians liked it too. That's why they used it. And then I don't know when exactly, but it got turned into what we have now, because they realized that reality is not three sixty. If you know what I mean. Or for example, the Earth. It's not a perfect sphere. It's got a little. It's got a little thing to it. I don't know if you if you know about that. Yes. Oh, indeed. Yes. The wobble. So, the, the. That's perception. reality. That's reality. It's not perfect. Three sixty would be perfect. A perfect sphere would be amazing, but that's not reality. So reality is whole. It's not. It's not perfect. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. What 
you know, how would a real sphere ever actually be perfect? It's like, exactly. There well, are no real it, circles, no perfect circles in the world. Exactly. Um, and part of that is because uh, you will never reach infinite precision mm. in, verifi in verifying. So there's like sort of two not perfect circles that we can think about as like one in reality, none exist because life is asymmetrical at some point, you know, or, or whatever, you know, imperfect. And then the other is um, that we would never know, even if it was, because we could never measure enough to say it is perfect. Yeah. It's the sort of like the horizon of the numbers and the lines again, right? It's like a point doesn't exist, but we can draw a point on our Cartesian coordinate system to represent, a, you know, yes, on the, exactly. On the complex plane, on the whatever. But the point is like, infinitesimally small which or even even worse than infinitesimally small it's not even small right there is no point there the line has no thickness you know the mathematical line um so there it's always approximations um i'm jumping right back into robinson jeffers and like trying to again feel feel the like anti-number thing um But uh, six is perfect, you said. Yeah. And uh, yeah, three times two, it's like, uh, do you think about the geometry though too? Do you think about like a hexagon? No, I don't I don't think that way yet because I don't, I've really? never educated myself on geometry, no. Yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, that's where, um, well, a six, uh, six-sided, a hexagram, if it's like a perfect one, an asymmetrical one, like it's gonna like tile the plane they mm. say, right? And that's sort of like a special thing to do in geometry. And it's just like one of the like most natural, just like tile the plane with hexagons. Um, and uh, and you could break it down into triangles, you know, and all of that. It's like very foundational. Again, it's like yeah. some sort of like perfect, uh, you know, sp spatial potential or potential of these relationships. Um, but it's not fun. It's not fun, right? It's like, it's too rigid. What we were talking about before, like it's too conservative. It's too yeah. structured. Um, whereas seven like has this little bit of, you know, like maybe to get from six to seven is like the little bit of extra chaos, you know? Yes, Remember that's exactly what like it this? is. So like think about the story from zero to seven and like to move from six to seven, it's like chaos, you know, pushes six beyond its you know, perfection. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> there's yeah, also the you... symmetries. Think about the uh, symmetry. You brought up the fact that like, oh, like why is six awesome? Because, you know, two and three fit into it um, perfectly, right? It's like their yeah. factor of six. Um, and also then the, right, the the hexagon has these, symmetry patterns that it will follow right so like you could um you could fold a hexagon in half right as like a sort of symmetry of two right like a factor of two or you could have um you know a, a three a break it down into three equal parts as well the actual geometry right um and so 
Yeah. And then you can think about all of the different places that you could use a sort of slice across to fold twice and all of the places that you could use um, sort of cutting it three ways and sort of move that around, rotate it. Right. And it's like, yeah. wow, six has like so many of these different possibilities that are just like nice and symmetrical. And huh, it's a, uh, it's just that perfect number. Yeah. Yeah. I would venture to say that if you try to make a reality like that, then I think you're, I don't want to use this language. I think you're going to go, going to go wrong there. I think that's what people try to do when they want to make everything symmetrical in their body, for example. Something like when I was a teenager, I was very materialistic. I was very much thinking about this in a sense as well. Like I would see little imperfections on myself and I would want to fix them, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people do nowadays. Whereas I think what people really find the most beautiful, and there's this actor, he's a great example of this. He's got a completely asymmetrical face and he's like... um, one of the most popular actors right now. I'm forgetting his name. He's the guy that played in Barbie. Oh, um, Ryan Gosling. Yes, he's got the most asymmetrical face in the world. Really? Have you ever seen it? Wait. I haven't seen the movie, but I actually I'm like a fan of like Ryan Gosling. I feel like you know, like I don't I don't watch a lot of movies anymore, but we used to watch movies kind of like in the 2000s and like stuff like that when I was younger mm-hmm. and whatever. Um. And I think Ryan Gosling is a, like an awesome actor. He's like yeah. a great looking guy. He's been in really cool movies that I like too, like um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, that's a really beautiful one. I know. There's one where he's like he rides a motorcycle like out in the woods. I can't remember the title of that one either. But he's really cool in this. He like drives a, a <laughs> car on the city. It's, it's just like he's so cool. Yeah. And so yeah, okay. I never knew he had like a really ace. No, I show you. I show you. Oh, you're gonna show me? Okay. Yeah. I know. Um, oh, interesting. It's like super asymmetrical. Yeah, he looks so cool. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's beauty. It reminds me of, sorry, one thing I got to say. It reminds me of, if any people have seen this, I think it's a meme, but it's like a real picture. It's like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to point it out. It's not, it's not a nice. <laughs> it, it, Tom Cruise. Okay. Tom Cruise, his teeth, he, he has like a center tooth. Okay. It's like his, te- his teeth are like a, um, asymmetrical but again tom cruise like one of the probably the most popular actors of all time and super handsome and everything and uh yeah it's just like see there's like you know it's, so it's just one of those fun that sticks with you like somebody shows you that and then i'm like yeah you oh. never unsee it i see it yeah is left can you see this yeah yeah i can see that yeah that's pretty wild it's interesting um okay. oh man wow this is taking me a lot of places um just, <laughs> Well, okay. Let's keep it interesting. And I'm going to still, you know, call us back um, to things that we've been talking about. So I'm doing my best here to, again, not run all over the place with you. Um, especially because you said you're, you know, dude, you're hurt. You're hurting. Are you going to be sore uh, tomorrow? Or are you going to get good sleep or what? Yeah, I'm going to sleep like a baby. I'm, I'm going to, I'm training legs tomorrow. So I have to, so I'm doing like a little stretching. What do you, okay. Um, these are the, <laughs> these are like, uh, so these are like the fun, like personal conversations like that we could have. Um, so, so do you, do you want to, otherwise uh, I would call us back. Yeah. Um, call us back. Call us back. Okay. All right. We'll talk about training another time. Yeah. We can have a whole separate, like philosophical discussion about football and training. I think I've, it's really cool, but go ahead. Okay. 
fine while we're on a we're on a little random moment here this is like uh this is like a commercial now exactly um, <laughs> so one of the things i thought would be really fun for really any podcast to do and maybe some podcasts actually do this but um i feel like you and i could do this if we you know if we could just talk every once in a while it would be great yeah. um but to do to start it off with a little segment of just like show and tell and i was thinking about the whole like you what what do you find beautiful what do i find beautiful like how how do we see what's common between this and like um you know i sent you a picture this time so even something like that i feel like i that was my little version of like show and tell yeah and uh, it would be great to like just start it off with that sort of like friendly like hey like this is a song i really liked recently not related to our things you know or maybe so um and just like have that be a little fun thing to do sometime yeah it was a suggestion by my one of my earlier guests who i love really? speaking to well it's not this exactly but he said with poetry that's what that's what was his idea to trigger a discussion with uh with yeah, a bit of you poetry want. you know that's really cool show and tell yeah okay show and tell. next time i'll come with something what's that next time i'll come with something as well you can do okay. a little thing great so i want to call us back to because we were talking about people's faces and beauty okay and uh well your face changes throughout your whole life yeah now that i think about it um in sort of short time frames and over long time frames, right? Yeah. Making a smile is like changing my face in a short time frame. Mm -hmm. And uh how saggy and sunburnt my face is um over decades, you know, like yeah. another level um that we could look at. And so we're trying to figure out how to make an impact on our health or our disease um, by getting in tune or looking into the harmony or disharmony of our lives. And um, I wonder if we can sort of read some of that uh, by just taking a look at how we how we change um maybe how our face changes over time yeah i'm I'll trying to understand to what you're saying exactly you you want to pierce into this idea of what you spoke about before using harmony to assess um health yeah okay and so i'm trying to be maybe my language is like too playful uh -huh. um and maybe that's because i just like uh we have i haven't practiced this that much you know yeah. like i'm trying to use harmony and everything and just make it work yeah so our bodies change it represents the disease and health that we have What are the songs that are going to make a difference? What are the harmonies that are going to make a difference so that my body makes beautiful changes 
Yeah. Over time. You have to. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I don't know if it actually makes sense, but I think you have to die a little bit in that mm -hmm. sense. I, I, I'm not sure if this is the right way to speak about it, but that's how I view, um, for example, eating of, or fasting, for example, that's this, that's this example of like some people, they, it's this whole health trend now. And I did it for a while, stopped with it for several reasons, but like this idea of dying a little bit to, to live longer, let's say. So you deprive yourself in an, in an attempt to on the long term make a difference let's say that's actually it's something akin to what we spoke about last time with this period of imbalance or something like a workout that what what is a workout but something that is like super imbalanced like you're doing something that you could never sustain on a long, long period but because you burst it in a short time it's actually beneficial to do on mm -hmm. the long term or like exposing yourself to extreme cold or extreme heat I don't know what what how that works with um, music or harmony, but maybe that's like a shakeup we need. And maybe people that already are living in harmony don't need these extreme things. They're just always in harmony. I don't know. I'm thinking about this. Yeah. Um, I totally agree and relate to what you said about making changes in the body in terms of like we were just talking about training or exercise. Yeah. But I think that the way that we look and the way that our body functions is also changing because of the way that we're attempting to use it on a daily basis. For example, my little my little kids, um, it's very easy to see how they change, how their body changes, like over short periods of time. And what I think is clear is that children learn how to move their bodies from watching the other bodies around them. Mm. And in a lot of cases, that's maybe their parents. In my case, my kids are in my house. I work from home. They see me around the house a lot. Um, and so I see like, for example, my daughter, like doing some of the physical things that I do, even like intentionally, like when we march to a song, you know, or like clap your hand, it's like, you're yeah. mimicking the way that you move. Um, and how you walk and how you jump and all of that, right? She's using my body and her sister's body and her mom's body like as examples or the people that she sees on TV, which is new these days, right? Like she has people singing songs and clapping to her and doing all of that from the shiny rectangle. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I wonder also how my daughter learns to make faces like me the expressions on my faces, on my face, <laughs> on my faces, yeah. the expression on my face is also, she's sort of mimicking that when she's learning how to react. Right. Um, and so I'm just wondering about 
how I can, you know, get my life in, in harmony so that I'm the, the patterns and the songs that I'm showing the people around me are allowing them to change in a, in a healthy way, or I'm sort of giving an example of health. Yeah. Um, I think um, a lot of it is acting according to nature. I think Marcus Aurelius speaks about this a lot in his meditations. That's like his, his goal almost to, to act according to nature. Like people are nowadays are really starting to wake up to the fact that the way we are living in the modern age is in many ways unnatural, like sitting nine hours a day or walking on shoes that are too tight and walking on shoes at all, like all these little things, you know? And so I think so many things, honestly, so many things, <laughs> so many things, but harmony is, it's almost just living the way that we would have lived if we didn't think about all these things all the time. Like if we just lived according to, to nature, but now that we have the, the will, you can debate that of course, but let's just use it. Uh, the will to choose the free will to, um, to plan your own path, to pave your own path and to, you can be unnatural if you like. We have to kind of relearn. For me, it's always relearning how children do things, to be honest. Like you're speaking about your kids mimicking you. I try to mimic kids, to be honest, because I think they still have this um, natural way of doing things. It's built in because a lot of things that they do aren't picked up from um, adults, I think. I think it may be even more primal. Like how does a beaver know how to build a dam? Does he look at the other beavers or does he just know? Like we have things like that too, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Oh, for Real sure. Thing. I mean, watch an episode of the dog whisperer and you realize that people are not, you know, you can use the same tactics on people. Yeah. yeah <laughs> now, now that's maybe, okay. I'm not saying put a leash on a, on a person or anything like that. I'm just <laughs> saying, uh, you know, like I, and maybe that's like a, a South Park episode. I think there's one yes, it is. with the dog whisperer and he's like, you know, using the like sort of uh, thing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, there's a bigger principle there. Right. And it, it, it does sort of, um, you know, I'm sure like developmental psychology and uh, even whatever teaching or, you know, child raising and whatever discipline practices and things like that, there's gotta be some commonality with like what you do with a puppy. Um, yeah. On so on some level. Um yeah, I agree. Actually, um, it's so fun to be like a kid if you can do it. Um, there's a lot of things that can constrain you from doing it. One is like your physical body where mm -hmm. like kids can just like fall down and like they're fine. And um, <laughs> I've seen some, uh, maybe you knew this or not. Um, I spent a lot of time out on the soccer field with little kids. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Many, 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 many hours. And I love it. Cause I'll, I will clown around. I will be kid like, you know, to a certain, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but these kids sometimes, man, they're running like full steam ahead and they, they hit something, you know, another person, the ground, the ball hits them really hard, you know, like things like this happen and they are just right, right back up. Yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes, I mean, if you're old enough, if you fall like that, that could be, that could be really dangerous. Yeah. Um, and 
so yeah, we don't have that same sort of plasticity or like flexibility, I think in, in our bodies. And then the like ability to sort of let go of the purpose and the, even the meaning, like let go of the meaning, you know, kids aren't thinking about meaning. It's like, we, gosh, as an adult, it's like, I'm trying to figure out like how to find meaning in things. It's like, kids are not trying to find meaning. They just, they're doing the meaning. Like, yeah. I don't know how to say it. it's like, I guess maybe on, <laughs> I don't want to say unconscious level. I don't, I don't like that place. Um, like the meaning is there. Maybe that's what we both understand. Like the, but they're not thinking about, let me find the meaning in this, uh, you know, game of tag or, or whatever. And, um, I guess neither are adults when they jump in and play, you know, just like in your game last night, dude, were you like, you know, like finding the story of the game, like meaningful. It's like, yeah. yes and no, about that. you were living it. You weren't, you weren't looking to find it meaningful. No. It's just you were doing. No, exactly. Um, but there's beauty in both places, right? Mm -hmm. When you're just playing the game, there's beauty in that. And then after the game, sometimes the, the game that you played, it looks beautiful, right? Like, or maybe a moment of like brilliance that you had, or um, I don't know, like challenges, the challenge that you overcome, you came down from three, you know, two down or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and um, so there is that, I don't know, can you, this is maybe where the, it's like the Robinson Jeffers thing. It's like, can you have both? Um, maybe not at the same time, but uh, yeah, I guess you could have, have both. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure if it's, it's, if it's a bad thing to do the reflecting on, as long as it doesn't become a substitute for the playing. I think the playing should be like dominant and then the thinking about or speaking about it, it can enhance it, but it's like spicing your food, you know? You spice your food a little. You don't substitute the food for the spice. That's kind of how I feel like the ratio should be. Sure, yeah, there's an appropriate ratio. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I just had like, just like imagery of like a big bowl of spices and then oh, like, yeah. like a little, you know, bit of meat or, you know, <laughs> I put, um, uh, I put pepper instead of cinnamon in my oatmeal the other day. Ooh. I put a lot of cinnamon in my oatmeal. So Oops, I did the same thing. Anyway, not to get, get us off track, just popped into my mind. What, are we going to do diet plans with our uh, training plans as well? Diet plans with our training plans. Mm. Do, you do, do you do diet plans? Um, not well, a little bit. I think it's more intuitive now. It used to be like super computational. It was really bad for me. Um, for you. But it, it helped me. But now I just have just baseline rules for myself. That's it. Anyway. Yeah. Harmony. Yeah, you don't have to think about it so much. You just no. kind of enjoy it. Yeah, and also it's this I thing of I... like, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, this automaticity to things like, I know I'm not going to eat or drink certain things, and it no longer appeal to me. That's this idea of like, 
I don't need willpower anymore for refraining from things or eating the right things in another sense. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, I think uh, I've seen this clip somewhere. I mm -hmm. honestly can't remember where it is or where it came from. Um, but they were saying they did like some huge like meta study again. Don't have it. Don't have it cited. Um, nothing like that. But they did some like large um, study on what actually makes the uh, difference in terms of diet and like just general health. They had all these metrics. You know, I can't I can't give you the details, but the the general sense is like what stuck with me. And it was like the number one factor amongst like all different diet types, different body types, different ages, different, whatever it was, different goals of like what they were trying to change, gain yeah. weight, lose weight, whatever it is, was that they believed that it was healthful and like on the right track. Yeah. 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 I know. But you know, they like surveyed them along the way and it was like, that was the most common thing in yeah. what worked. I know. It I wasn't know. detail A, B, C, D. Yeah. So um, that's what made the most effect. It's like that biology of belief type of, you know. It's super wild. It's same with placebo, right? Placebo works. Yeah, exactly. Super that, that's definitely in the bucket of like biology of belief type of idea, yeah. um, which is really an interesting effect. I feel like I could talk about the placebo effect at any moment if someone wanted to. Um, <laughs> what an interesting like phenomenon. Yeah. Um, I think one of the grad school programs that I was looking at, the professor, her, her specialty was like l interested in the placebo effect. Yeah. Um, I, like, well, I was like, Oh, that would, that would be fun to do for a, you know, PhD or something. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. What, where do we go from here? Do you got more scribs? What? You got more scribbles? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, well, part of it was, again, I wasn't sure like how much we were just going to um, chat about things. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, so um, remember I had like my endorphins from my my little run that I did, my sprint? Yeah. At that spot, the reason that I went down there to that spot is because it's a nice little hill and it was it's a nice day and it's in my neighborhood. Um, but those big giant stones, those are like perfect for a little like amateur parkour type of uh, thing. Yeah. So yeah. just like practicing my little jumps and like landing on like one foot or the other and like doing, you know, just like, uh, again, trying to do what you said earlier, which is like go outside of my like standard run of the mill, like body context for my day. Right. Yeah. Um, not sitting at the computer, not, you know, whatever, dry, mm -hmm. sitting in the car, um, just do a little bit of that. And you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. It has to do with my background. You know, when I was spent my life being an athlete and a person that jumped around and played tag and, you know, just ran around like a crazy person all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and then I also, I, I came back to my house and I have, um, do you, have you used like battle ropes before or yeah. like ropes? Yeah. Yeah. Also so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just thinking about the rhythm idea, you know, like I'm thinking about our conversation. I'm thinking about sort of just doing these physical activities, 
and especially like the running and the ropes, just how I can run in a healthy manner and like a vigorous, like vibrant matter when I get in a good rhythm, yeah. right? Like the rhythm is actually what guides me to like, just go. Um, and if you, and you even, we even use that language when we talk about like athletes of like a basketball player, like, oh, he's like totally shooting out of rhythm. Mm. You know, it's like, there's some rhythm that works for, you know, Michael Jordan or Scotty yeah. Pippen, or, um, John Stockton. I'm just going to throw out random NBA names that are like, you know, Kevin Garnett, my one, of, like some of my favorite players, mm -hmm. um, Eric Rose. Um, they just have a certain rhythm that works. And yeah. it allows you to express more energy. It's like uh, it's like the resonance, right? It's like um, when something is out of resonance, it's like it's like it's vibrating out of what the structure wants to vibrate at in a certain sense, right? It's like the ratios are off, the the length of the waves are off um, in comparison to the physical structure. And then you can sort of like tune the oscillation so that it, it resonates. And then literally like a new sound like emerges basically. Mm. Right. It's like, it starts to ring like, or like when you hit a guitar harmonic, it's like, you can hit that place on the guitar and play a note, or you can like hit a harmonic in a certain way. It's so, it's so crazy. Um, and uh, there's like that sweet spot in running or using the ropes um and so again it was like how do i connect this musical language of rhythms and harmonies to just putting it into practice in my life and that was i had it i was like just focus on your rhythm like and and the thing just became you know it captured me as i was just thinking about the rhythm of pumping my arms or doing the yeah. thing so it was just um yeah i had that i had that on my mind as we were like approaching the time that we were going to talk today that's awesome I once ran for a while on a certain beats per minute, you know, like uh, I would time my speed exactly with the song so that you run exactly on the rhythm of the song. It makes it so much easier. It's just yeah. uh, you're bouncing on it like you're on the waves. Super nice. So why? Why is that the case? That's what I, that's this is a place that we could dig into this. Why? Harmony. Why does a certain rhythm work? Why does rhythm work? That's such a good question. I don't. Or, or not even like, why does rhythm work? But like, why is there a, in the example of your running, the BPM that just like was your optimal, you know, like rhythm for running. Why not any rhythm? I think that it's a sort of alignment between the body's movements and the sounds of the song that when everything aligns together, so the audio, the the visual, the the physical, I think that then you're just more in harmony. You're more aligned with the patterns, let's say, that you're trying to pursue. Like, for example, um, do you know how certain different music can pull up certain different energies or spirits or gods even? Like when you're sure. getting ready for war, you listen to... Uh, 
you have war songs, you have the drums. That's the rhythm of, of what you call it, Mars. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. We come up with so many examples that are specific to the activity, the type of song, your pump up song before your big game, Yeah. you know, like the song that you put on, uh, on a, when you're on a date with your fiance, mm. you know, right. Um, the song in the movie that like actually works with the place where you probably are going to cry. Right. It's not like yeah. uh, the things in the movie are happening and they make you want to cry. And then the, the music is just like something random. Yeah. 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 That's to align. Right. It, it, it plays a rule role. It can like interfere with the, um, with the harmony or not. Maybe that's again, interference. Yeah. I'm thinking about interference patterns and like, okay, this language does like kind of work here. Um, right. I wonder, okay, here's where my mind goes. One place with the running rhythm is it's related to your specific biomechanics, mm. right? Which is sort of the length of your femur compared to, you know, the width of your hips or yeah. right. And then, and then also like your weight and height and the grade of the ground. And it's like, there's also some, we could like probably compute like why, why that BPM is perfect for you. And maybe, you know, my body being different, I have a different BPM that sort of works for, again, the length of my femur and the width of my hips and, you know, my body weight, um, something weird like that. So mm -hmm. it's like, is there a rhythm, a running rhythm sort of, uh, already there for my, my body or for your body based on your, the, your physics you know your physical body yeah. it also depends on the speed i guess that's a big uh component to it do you know what i mean like for me the beats per minute are have a lot to do with how quickly i'm running so even though we oh, have yeah. different body types we could align on that if we are able to run uh, at the same speed do you know what i mean so it's a yeah, different rhythm you're tuning into that's the same reason why when you're going to war even though everyone's different and you all have your different complexities, you can align to the same rhythm because that's what you're, you know, that's what you're moving toward. And uh, in that case, it's like, it's setting you up for the mindset of war. Mm. It's not like setting you up for like a powerful walking stride. It's like, no. it's right. Um, so it's a different type of um, it's tuning into, you know, your, spirit your heart yeah. your soul something yeah. like that um right is there something about like i'm just thinking about like well uh, yeah probably i'm thinking about like the drums of like you know um lord of the rings or something right yeah. orcs like marching <laughs> along right they're getting ready for like this big battle like like what if they were skipping you know like that wouldn't put them in the right mindset of no. like and the skipping has a different rhythm. It does something to your body. Um, would they sprint? Would they jog? Like maybe, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's embodied. Just the rhythm dictates. The rhythm has a influence on the character of the situation, mm. right? Like you said, like a slow drum rhythm. Even just the speed, as you said, a slow rhythm is appropriate to walking into a battle as you said yeah um, 
whereas you have some other rhythm that sets you up to run a 5k or a 10k or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. absolutely man i don't know i don't know where to take it because no, you, yeah i mean just, like it's for everything right rhythm is like when when you're playing football with your team you want to be on the same rhythm that's the same as as when you're going into war so that, that's like a, it's an attunement i think attunement is a good word it's exactly also a musical term with uh, what you said in the, in the start. Exactly. I, I don't know exactly who uses it, but attunement is a very important term for me. I think if you do that, you're in constant flow or harmony. That's it. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, I have in my scribblings, like some of the words like tuning. And then um, we also obviously have talked about harmony. Um, one that I find very interesting is chords Mm. now i'm thinking about like a musical chord which is sort of like related to harmony right it's like yeah um you can make um if harmony is present like you can there's a chord there right or chords provide harmony yeah and so it's sort of bringing in the fact that there's like multiple things as you said that like fit together in some context um and maybe that has to do with the, again, the ratios of their frequencies and maybe some of these interesting fractions or geometry. Um, but then also just the word chord. Okay. There's a musical chord, which is like three notes or something there's many, many types of chords, of course. Um, there's also a chord in geometry which is like a line across a circle yeah in english at least i is it uh, i wonder about different languages actually um well i hadn't thought about that ahead of time but in english um a mathematical line uh going across like from one side of the circle to the other not necessarily through the center um is a chord also yeah sort of like joining two uh distinct positions on the circle interesting what are you asking me no no i'm just i'm saying the word chord yeah yeah, no, i understand i I was thinking about the other language i'm like completely into my oh yes well is it i guess i could i could ask you i don't remember i don't remember i sucked at mathematics but go ahead no there's term um yeah so there's musical chords there's geometric chords there's also chords that tie things together Mm mm-hmm so that's interesting. It makes me think about the mathematical chord, which is like kind of like a you could think of like a chord connecting two things. Yeah. Or the notes being connected by a sort of chord. Mm. And then there's the word accordance, mm. which has chord sort of as a root word. Yeah. And being sort of in accordance with something reminds me of what you were saying, like attunement, right? Yeah. Or acting or according to nature. According to, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 It's being connected to, let's say, harmony. That's the example we're trying to give with attunement or nature. It's like you're, sure. yeah, you're connected to harmony. That's what a chord does because it is different notes. It combines these different parts that on their own perhaps wouldn't produce a harmonious sound but together they are 
they are that yeah right and so okay i'm bringing it back to the observer now so there are sort of harmonious chords out in nature mm -hmm. and then what about when we're a part of it is just that we fit ourselves into that chord and we maintain the harmony or we we become in we uh act in accordance to the thing that is there right we're adding our own extra note to the yeah that's a <laughs> the, an instrument is that it's a big question what what are we like because you know nature without us what is nature you know is it is there even a morality involved in nature is there a good and a bad or do we introduce that like is it good or bad like nature seems to be in harmony when the lions eat the gazelles and the, the gazelles eat the grass and you know all these things and then we can intervene in let's say positive and negative ways but that's also how we define that like we find out we try to figure out what is good and what is bad is that natural i've often asked myself this question and i can't land on the uh, answer should we be natural what is natural what should we like this is questions people struggle with a lot these days and it's almost like a dangerous discussion to have because say say let's say now i say we should all be natural let's live as cave people there's no way to do that now we're too late I'm not saying that's good or bad. Like I'm really struggling with these questions myself. It's like okay, if you do that, people will die. Like you, you stop using the the electric um, power grids, all these things. You know, it's a big question. I am right there with you. I agree. I kind of like to discuss it. I guess. Yeah. Um. I end up feeling a bit defeated. Yeah. I think. I, I lose optimism. Mm. So it's not always fun to talk about. No. Unless, unless we can say like, what things can we actually do? Mm. Can we do that? And are we going to actually do it? Sometimes it's easy to think of things that you can do. And then actually doing it, as you said, test yourself to go without two of the comforts that you're used to yeah. in your day um it's quite difficult mm. um i also wonder if being more natural would be better or not i've tried it out so i do have that i i can yeah. say that tried it out in a couple of different ways obviously other people have as well but then i also ask myself like why why did we get to this place where it feels like being natural is better than what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Why did we get, or is there a reason why, or did we just sort of get swept up in all this? Something seemed right to enough people. Um, and we can think about that over a long periods of time now at this point too. So it's like, almost like you can't, I don't know if we can like blame ourselves for like where we have ended up. Um, Maybe that's just a cop-out. I don't know. I feel a different level of responsibility as a parent, to be completely honest. Yeah, of course. Uh, at some point in my life, I started to get a grip on like what I could control and like actually be an adult and like be in control of myself and 
but um, I feel a different responsibility impacting children and setting them up in the world. It, you know, it's a weird present and future to really think about. Um, my childhood is not a good reference frame for me to set up my kids in some ways and maybe in other ways that I should, well, that I do think about, right? Um, but there's a lot that's really different. And like for, okay, so one that I struggle with, I don't know about you, it's it's certainly gotta be some type of addiction, mm -hmm. which is exactly what we're doing here. And, and watching other videos and, and doing it all, right? Like all of the media and information and knowledge that we're, we're seeking is, dude, I can't deny it. I, I can't deny the like impulse to take it in and be a part of it and whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But our lifestyles seem to be past like the capacity of what's natural for like amount of information that we should take in. <laughs> Even if we have good intentions and like want to be smart and want to be a positive influence on the world and whatever the good intentions are, it's like, I think, I think we're all maybe just past our, past our capacity or with so many people past their natural capacity of information, it's starting to like get weird mm -hmm. um, and not, maybe not healthy. And so it's like, what do I do for my kids um, in this place, as you said, that we can't avoid has the technology and the social media and the information and everything and going full steam ahead too. Um, so, I mean, do you think about just you think about doing some of those more natural things only on your little small scale of your own life? Yeah, of course. All the time. I feel that I'm trying to move closer to it all the time. I do see value in living that unbalanced way for just a little bit. Like, for example, when you get into university or when you, you know, have a brief period of time that you have to get a lot of information into invest in a long-term, let's say. Um, but I'm trying to live more balanced and more natural every day. Like the play factor is a really big one for me. Um, I think play is very natural. I'm really trying to incorporate more and more of that, like in conversation with you now. But for me, playing football has been transformative. I'm playing more and more now. That That's really important for me. Um, I think I used to listen to so many podcasts and books like so much without even questioning if it was bad. And then it took me like a year after I already knew it wasn't good for me to reduce that a little bit. And it's the exact same thing with um, the way I move my body. Mm. Propositionally, I was already there like a year or two years ago that it was not balanced. Like I do a lot of weightlifting. I've done that for seven years or so. And it was not balanced by mobility and flexibility work and stuff. And I'm really upping that as well. Like being more 
Did you get injured? Did you get injured? Uh, yes, <laughs> actually. Yeah, that's what happens, man. That's one of those like disharmony or, or whatever, yeah, right? Exactly. And then you start to figure out that the whole system is connected, let's say. So then I started to work on all these things. I, I put in a lot of interventions and now I'm trying to use it as a, as a means to, to harmonize more. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, maybe something, okay, why is, uh, why is harmony a useful framework? It's like uh, trying to recognize that there are different pieces that could fit in, mm -hmm. right? And the appropriate pieces that go together the right notes um and i think it's also what's cool about harmonies is that there's flexibility in yeah. things that work well but there's also the sort of inflexibility of like these notes do work and these notes don't yeah um so maybe i'm i'm not on the right track there but i feel like um maybe there's flexibility again in the like the different harmonies that are possible yeah in any given, you know, when you're given a chord to add something to maintain harmony, there's lots of flexibility in your mm -hmm. choices. Um, so when you're deciding on how much of one activity you should do or another, right, you have to, you just have to take into account um, all of the things that you could do and choose a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a tendency to think that we just go overboard with everything these days. Mm -hmm. We go overboard with, I don't know, how much we want to get out of it or something. Yeah. Um. Or or maybe I'm just that's just myself, and I'm just projecting that. But I feel I'm like exactly that's the same. So. <laughs> I think a lot. I think people. I think a lot of people could relate to that. We're very. Um, we're very ambitious. Yeah. In modern days. And, and it, but maybe that's like why we end up here. It's like, I'm ambitious and optimistic for my kids, right? Like, I want them to like have the most, be the best, whatever it is that they want to do. And parents often do that for their children. And so that trend of like being really ambitious for your children and like doing that has been stacking up for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like an accumulation of like really ambitious parents, I guess, you know creating um or or fostering the development of children who become super productive and super talented and you know yeah. um there's the other track where like some people have really rough lives and like not a good influence and maybe parents that are ambitious in ways that don't really work for the child's flourishing or something or something like that yeah right um but there is a probably a trend of like good intentioned parents being ambitious for their kids and so we're just reaching this time where that's happened many, 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 many generations. Um, and how do you, how do you move away from that? It's like, if yeah. I'm going against that trend, am I like not being ambitious for my kids? I like, am I trying to like hold them back? Like, it doesn't make sense to no, like, no, no, no. I think I right? know a bit of for, from personal experience, I'll speak and then I can extrapolate it a bit. So I was also very ambitious. I still am like one of the things I fear most is uh, mediocrity. It really bothers me in, in my life. And um, I think at first when I was very ambitious, I wanted to be like really financially successful, you know, like the usual story of like being super rich and 
having things. That's the having mode. And I think I've learned to realize that, well, first, just analytically, I could understand that even the people that have all these things are usually not in a great mind state or they're not very wise or they're not very happy. So I was like, okay, maybe that's not the thing to be ambitious for. And then I kept jumping a little bit to what I think are higher things to be ambitious for. Like, I think the thing I'm most ambitious for right now is to, to use the language from today is to increase harmony in the world. Like if I can do that and in my life, I started my own life and then I extrapolated toward the world because that's the ripple effect. If we can somehow steer our ambition, our, our, our ambition that's like on fire to, to harmony in the world, then that's beautiful. Then that doesn't have to go to waste. But if you steer toward productivity that is quantifiable in numbers, then that's dangerous. But um, yeah, I'm <laughs> going full circle. Good. I'll call back to being like anti-number, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not anti-number. I'm just like... I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's really awesome, man. I mean, um, being being reflective and putting it into practice is is truly a challenge. Um, and um, you always have to worry. Well, at any given moment, you can worry that you're tricking yourself. Um, you you shouldn't always worry about that, yeah. but um, you can go into that mode too. And and that's a sort of different type of reflection. And there's probably a a healthy balance of that and and um and an unhealthy yeah. balance of that too. Um, yeah, what, well, I, I feel like I have a little bit of time and I, I love that we're getting personal with it. I wonder if we can, I mean, can you identify some things that are, you want to create harmony in your own life? Maybe we can just help each yeah. other in our little bit of time here. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it started with the things that I just spoke about in movement, in um, the information that I'm getting in. Like I started to realize that harmony for me is much more geared toward spending time with other people and sharing, for example, than just my own mm. individual. Like you, you had the same thing, right? That's why your story resonated so much with me because mm. um, I think you realized that life wasn't about you, or at least that's not what you wanted anymore. And so that that's in in one sense to be to be harmonious with the world is to actually face more outward. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I'll say for now. I don't know if you have anything on your side that we can discuss. Well, cool, you're you're so deep. You, you you're being. I th I think you're being quite general in a good way, in a useful way, where you're able to like apply that to like so many different things in your life. Probably the mm -hmm. way that you expressed it. Um, again, it's like to recognize what's going to fit in with the harmony. You got to see what's already there. Yeah. Um, and okay. So for me, um, I think it's very related to what you said, which on a general level, I need to see the notes that are out there more yeah. than, uh, just ringing out my own note, mm. you know, um, so trying to get in tune with the movements and the faces and um, all of those patterns that the people in my family are making. Yeah. 
and um, right, finding harmony with uh, maybe maybe they're getting in their rhythm. I'm a very fast paced person mm. with intensity, <laughs> right? Yeah, and th this is great. I'm just sort of like going with this in the moment, so um. Yeah, controlling controlling my rhythm and intensity to slow down the pace, I think. I think it's obvious that I need to slow down. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm going to also just like be aware of um, those body movements that I make um, and try to be in harmony with the other bodies that are that are around me, which, um, you know, my my wife and my kids. Yeah, you're you're gonna be trying to lead by example because you have, like you said, these little creatures who mimic you in many ways. It's the only thing you you should do. Like, it's such a responsibility. I mean, we've spoke about before, like being a parent in a digital age. All these things, it's so difficult, but it's really important to to lead there. Um, so that's a harmony to to manage for sure. I know it makes it well, it's like, it makes me self-conscious about like having my own shiny little rectangles that I look at. Yeah. Um, right. Um, but that's, that's something I've been dealing with as, as a new parent and in the modern, modern age of technology is like yeah. my own age as, as an example. Um, well, what about um okay i'm going to push you a little bit further for your own personal harmony yeah what about with your fiance mm -hmm. i actually like uh, to discuss the relationship between music and let's say the the relationship your romantic partner in the sense that i heard this on karen's channel that it's important with your partner to come together you know in a song like you have the the melody and then it spreads out again so you have uh, like a specific pattern that then goes this way and the other pattern goes that way i think with your partner it's important it's important to to unify and then to to go apart again in a sense that like it's a daily rhythm already you know you go do your work and the other person does that work and then you come together you have your meals you have your moments um and then you go out into the world again to, to gather your your own experiences. Like that's one one way of thinking about for me harmony with my my fiance. But it's in every moment, you know, like even in in conversation, it's like you don't want to be too too similar. You don't want to be exactly the same. You want to learn from each other. So it's like um, you know, working kind of with each other by being different and seeing the different person's perspective and like dancing almost it's to me it's really like play when like for a lot of people discussions and arguments they're terrible but i like them in the sense that it teaches you how to yeah how to i don't know play with the other person in a in a in very a way important cool. way sorry in a way that uh appears beautiful you know like yeah you can sort of recognize the beauty. Uh, yeah, it's like dance. a dance. 
it's really like a dance to me so yeah that yeah i don't know if you want me to say more about that i don't know just like i said uh i can't i can't talk about all this stuff and not try to somehow make it land on something that's going to go into our day yeah that's exactly what we need to do i think with these conversations to apply at some point kind of like uh the whole conversation doesn't have to be like make it practical make it practical what are you going to do tomorrow what are you going to do next hour what are you gonna yeah but like like i said you know stick the landing on um these are some things that we're going to try to do really for our like our lives and, and the people in them so yeah cool man i think uh i've got a on with my day you should yeah. rest up we got a solid two hours in that's good that's awesome man nice thank um, you for the precious time so, it's so fun i really just enjoy talking to you and and so let's just keep it keep it going that's awesome scott i wish you a good weekend i hope uh i didn't steal you for too long today oh, and uh okay. yeah thanks for your time man all right have a have good, good one night. see you guys yeah.